less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep Dive. Martin, what distracts you? That's my question for today. What? what? Dis- I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh man, what distracts me? That's really interesting, and that's uh, uh, new interesting topics distract me. Yeah. For example, in in kind of researching for this show, I hit on a couple of books that I was looking at, and I'm going, "Oh man, I got to reread that again." And so I set another book aside and start reading reading that. I really, really, really love to learn new stuff. Yeah. Not everything. There's some things don't really interest me. Yeah. But I get distracted by, and it's chasing rabbits, like your, the quote you found: "Chase, chase two, two rabbits, rabbits catch, catch none. none." Yeah. And that really is the that really focus. Matter of fact. That is it, focus. Uh, I look back on my entire life, and I am where I am due to to everything I've done, nobody yeah. else's issue, but the things that I've done are lack of focus. I mean, the shortcomings I've had are lack of focus. Lack of focus. Getting interested in something else and kind of pursuing that, yeah. chasing that rabbit. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. I, I think about what distracts me, and I, uh, I think my phone is a huge distraction. Um, and I think my desire to, it's almost it's something that's probably a little bit more millennial, but uh, FOMO, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. is a big one. Mm-hmm. And then also FOBO, fear, fear of, of better options. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it makes it harder to make decisions, I think. And, um, well, yeah, I, th- I think those are probably the biggest distractions. And rather than just saying, okay, focus gonna do this right. whatever uh and then stay on the staying on the course it's always wondering if there's a better option it's always wondering if i'm missing out on something um so those are the things that distract me typically but um definitely my phone on, on this one yeah and so you're getting particular in that i i guess i look at mine too yeah but um that's not the the real distraction the real distraction is man that's really cool there are things, as I said, I don't want to know about. For example, we would not have this podcast at all if it weren't for you and Ethan. Well, when you and got your sound engineering degree last year, I was so proud of you, man. <laughs> I was like, man, was we're going to be able else? to do this. Yeah. We're going to no, make I it mean, happen. I look at it and I think I could get so far into the weeds trying to understand the technical part of that yeah. that I just literally stay the hell out of it because what I, what I could learn in the time allotted to it would be of little additional value. And if I wanted to focus on that, then that would have to be what I'm going to do. Yeah. And it's not really where I am. Yeah, I, I can't say that I haven't been distracted by this podcast. There have been many moments where I've been, and Ethan too, but uh, just caught up in the microphones and the equipment cameras. and the cameras and the video yeah. quality and all that stuff. So anyways, well, I think... Uh, you know, our topic today, talking about the one thing, I think distraction plays a big role in that. Right. Um, but I think for a lot of people, it's not always the fear of missing out or fear of better options that's necessarily the distraction to them, not necessarily the phone or the kids or whatever. I think a lot of times they are the distraction. They are the thing that keeps them from the, from progressing, from doing anything. Um 
you were even talking about, uh, before we started recording, you were talking about Sergio, guest, I think, episode six. He started his own podcast in Spanish. Right. And what's the main theme? Oh, it's going, It's about you are responsible. Mm-hmm. And, oh, he told me the name of it. I'm sorry. I can't remember it. I'll plug it. We'll plug it going yeah. forward because yeah. it'll be fantastic. But it's up to you. Right. It is up to you. Yeah. And yeah, I, the, the three principle, I mean, it, you, you want to keep things simple. The ways to success be, are, are three steps, I think. It's accept, decide, and act. Accept that it is up to you. Yeah. Things happen to you, but the outcome of things happening to you are not the same. They depend on your reaction to what happens to you. Mm. And if you're a, a victim or have a victim mentality and think that that things are beyond your control and people are holding you down or pushing you, you're missing out on the only really way out, which yeah. is to accept responsibility and take some action. Well, I think also it's not just the, you know, accepting other people to give things to you or being a victim mentality. I think sometimes it's like imposter syndrome, for example, just not believing in yourself. Right. It's not that you're thinking that other people are out to get you. It's just that you don't think that you're capable. Right. And I have a secret for you. Yeah, we've got this podcast with 60 whatever episodes, 70 episodes, I don't know. Um, everyone's making it up as they go. Literally, right. every day is a new thing in this podcast. We don't have it figured out. It may seem like it to people I listening. I thought you had it figured out. I wouldn't be doing <laughs> this if I didn't think you had it figured out. No, but I mean, people would just make, I mean, don't make it up as you go literally on a whim, but like, just put your best foot forward and be adaptable to change. That's, I mean, one of our core values at Benali is change is certain because things are always changing. I mean, you can't get set in your ways. You can't think that there's only one way to do things. There's a million ways to do things. It's just focus, put your, put the time in, give it your energy, give it your all and be ready to adapt. Yeah. And and you had a, an acronym MVP, Mm -hmm. minimum viable product. Um, I Definitely not I've, mine. That's a very common thing, but I well, shared it no, with you. I, yeah, you, you brought it up the other day. And it's really an important concept because if you wait to do something until you have perfect knowledge, well, quite literally all opportunity is passed because yeah. perfect knowledge, assuming there is such a thing, the, bet, the closest to perfect knowledge means that the thing has already happened and you can look back right. and say, I should have bought Bitcoins when they were $40 yeah. and they're 50000 today. Well, sorry. Yeah, you have perfect knowledge, but what are you going to do today, right? Yeah. Going forward, so acting that that accept, decide, and act. Accepting is is the uh, first step that you that it's up to you. It's yeah. You you can get a lot of help, and people want to help people who are trying to help themselves. That I think is just a fact. Mm-hmm. But it's up to you to do something, and then the decide part is decide what you want to do, which is what we'll be talking about today, and then take action. I'm reading a book uh, called The Art of the Impossible by Stephen Kotler, which is just an excellent book. He, he gets into chemistry of the brain, which I'm not bothering to learn, you know, yeah. dopamines and stuff like that. I don't, if, I, if I were going to talk on it, I would not be an expert. It's a lot to know. So. Yeah. But he describes what other people have described differently, but I just read him, was that you need a massively transformative goal, a purpose, something mm. that you're focusing on. And for example, the example we use, let's just say that um, there were pure water available at every tap in Africa. Right. Okay. So that's a massively transformative purpose 
if you could accomplish that. Yeah. But not likely that we will do that. It's not impossible, but certainly not in my life. We'll get on that. it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll get after it, <laughs> if we choose to focus on that. Yeah. But that, that's your big goal. Probably never going to get it, but that's your purpose in life. The second level is what he calls high hard goals, things that can be accomplished, but they're really hard. They're not overnight. Right. Things. And so, for example, if, if your mission were to provide pure water, that's water treatment going out and wastewater treatment uh, when the water comes back. Um, well, a high hard goal might be that you become a wastewater engineer, hmm. which, is, which is hard to do. It's engineering. Yeah. So you have to break it down to the thing that you can do and the thing that you might have to do, at least in my case, is take a remedial math course before I apply to an engineering school. Right. Right. So you've got the massively transformative goal, the high hard goal, something that can be accomplished in the, in the interim, and then something you can actually do today. So decide, accept, decide, and act. Accept that it's up to you. Decide what your goal is. Yeah. what it is you're interested in, what you want to focus on, and then take action. Right. And the action is where the action is <laughs> because the other stuff is just theory. Well, I th- and I think that's the problem that I think the the concept of this is incredible, and I, I think that people struggle with the application because every day there's so many things going on. Right. They're worried about their employees. They're worried about payroll. They're worried about taxes. They're worried about... The job and the fires they're putting out, they're worried about, you know, all the different things that happen in business. They've got stress. And it's hard to tie what you're doing day in, day out into this massive, impossible goal and then break it down from there because it doesn't feel applicable. Um, but it is. Or, or, you, or the, it's the tyranny of the urgent thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. But I can't do it today because I got got to go visit a customer. Yep. And maybe I can do it this afternoon. But you get home at six o'clock and think I have to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm just exhausted. Uh, willpower is is a real thing, and studies have shown that I can't quote, but I've certainly read. I mean, academic studies that willpower is a, a an exhaustible resource. Yeah. You can have a lot of willpower in the morning. But after you've been using it all day long, about three o'clock in the afternoon, it starts to wane. Yep. And it, that happens to me all the time. I sit here at work and I enjoy it and I like it. But about six o'clock, I'm still working on a project, and then then like a switch goes off. I just stand up and go home. <laughs> you know, I'm done. Yeah. Right? I'll figure it out tomorrow. So, uh, figuring out that thing that you're going to act on that that's the real um, that's the real critical piece to this you you have to actually do something you can't just sit around and think about it and I think what's important I mean we talk about this with setting a vision you know that's basically what's your terminology on the impossible well that would be the massively the massively transformative it doesn't necessarily have to apply exactly to what you do like maybe your vision is for your you know to have a business that runs without you and to be able to go to the beach in the summer live at the beach in the summer and live on the mountain in the, in the winter. Right. Maybe that's your transformative goal in your life that feels so challenging that you may not be able to reach it. And you probably can, but maybe you don't think you can. You have you to can. believe you can. You have to believe it. And then you have to take action to make it happen. Well, and, and maybe that's where people need to start. Because if we talk about you know providing water to Africa, yeah, that seems like a very... Uh, well, that, yeah, that's passionate just, a, goal. just an example. Right, and so I just want to make sure that people have an example that is even 
you know, more applicable to them personally. It doesn't have to be some massive ending global hunger or providing renewing the electric grid right. across every country or something like that. Although those, if those, if that's what you want, that's great. But it can even be just on the personal level of, man, I want to be able to provide scholarships for 50 people to go to college uh, on a full ride, you know? Okay, awesome. That's great. How are we going to do that? And then you can start to talk about, well, I maybe want to grow my business so I can sell it, or I want to, you know, open up 50 locations or whatever it is. And then you can build from there and act. But I just want to make it clear that you're driving around, you're thinking, yeah, I'm not going to bring clean water to Africa. Uh, yeah, maybe not. But what's something that really strikes right. a chord with you personally? Well, I gave, I gave two talks yesterday to a professional group, and maybe half of the people there owned franchises. Oh, wow. The other half had started their own business. Yeah. And just as I talked to him about goals and, and your thinking, said, well, somebody... The, the people who started the franchise company, not mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. franchisors, thought differently. They're in the same business you are, but they're not in the same business even remotely. Yep. Because what the franchise owners, the franchisees, uh, are doing on a daily basis, interfacing with customers. Yeah. The franchisors are not. Yep. They're interfacing with franchisees. Yeah. Different business, but somebody thought differently. Mm-hmm. Right and act, acted on it and created a number of franchisors who are represented by franchisees. So that that can be a goal. You want to franchise what you do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you have a. We've talked, I think, about the eighty twenty rule before. Who is that again? It's a eighty twenty rules by a guy named Pareto. Pareto, yeah, an Italian in the Renaissance in Florence in the fifteen yeah. hundreds. And he noticed that 20% of the people were responsible for feeding everybody. I mean, providing for everybody. Now, people can argue with that, but basically it's kind of observably true. So the 80-20 rule started there, and it's held up over time. Most people can have maybe heard about it that 20% of your customers provide 80% of your profitability. Yeah. 20% of your customers provide 80% of your problems. Right, yeah. um, you get your most productive. Twenty percent of the time you spend doing something is more productive than the other eighty percent. Yep. So it's it's a useful tool because it's even can, biological. Like there's crops where people plant crops where twenty percent right. of right. the crop produces eighty percent of the yield. I mean, right. it's it's research throughout. It's not just you know psychological. It's yeah. biological. And in the workplace, uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, talks about the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, and it's great for us to use. But he says the actual, been well studied, it's a thing called Price's Law. In creative work, and by that I don't mean that you're an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean most of our listeners, if you're an owner, you do creative work. Creative yeah. work is it's not lined out for me. In other words, I don't put this widget or put a nut on this and then set it over to the next station, you know, machine kind yeah. of work. Creative work that requires problem-solving, thought, innovation, and things like that. The square root of the people involved in the activity produce half of the output. So if there's, gosh, i got to go back to my square well, roots if, here. If there are nine people. Then there's three of them there that are producing. There are three of them do half the work. Gotcha. If, if our listeners look around their own companies, they're going, you yeah, know, that's probably about right. 
meaning the problem solving work. If if you're literally screwing nuts on and stuff like that, it's it not it doesn't. So if apply. there's a hundred people, then only ten people but are producing. The real. What if there are, are ten thousand people? I don't know what the square root of ten thousand. A hundred. Yeah. So that means a hundred. So that's most of our listeners don't have ten thousand employees, but. But it's it's worth observing, and we that was just an interesting side note. That's yeah. the prices law. Huh. Prices law. Never heard and that. it's uh, involves creative work, and creative work, as I defined it, doesn't mean being art. It means problem solving, where things are different. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with situations. So it really just highlights it's it's a more sophisticated, more drilled down study than Pareto principle. But the Pareto principle is great for most of us. Twenty percent of the benefit, or eighty percent of the benefit, comes from twenty percent of the, of whatever it is you're talking about. And the flip side, eighty percent of your problems come from twenty percent of whatever it is, people or, mm. or types of work that you do, or so on. Yeah. So that is a tremendously useful uh, concept because, what I call the static electricity in your brain when you go to work every day. You're, you're thinking about whatever you were thinking when you're driving to work and then you immediately confront that some so-and-so didn't show up today or yeah. that the materials delivered, they were short some key components. Anyway, all the, the tyranny of the urgent, the, the working in the business rather than on the business start confronting you and you just start going crazy and can't concentrate. Yeah. Well, the working in the business instead of, or on the business instead of in the business requires that you do spend some time looking to the future, taking action that move you toward your high, hard goal, which takes you towards your vision or your transformative purpose. And so the 80-20 rule is, is really good because it gives us an idea of what are we going to look at, what are we going to work on and make a priority and make sure that we take action so that the end of a year, one of the greatest sins in business is to be discussing a problem today and be discussing the same, <laughs> same problem, problem next year. Yeah. Or, or at least in the same context. Maybe you're discussing well, the and fact everyone, that you're everyone limiting. sees that. You know, right. they like the thing that I always see is contractors maybe talk about, yeah, we need to, to get more photos of our jobs or we need to get um, Which you know, more leads marketing. coming in or we need to right. start running ads or, you know, right. whatever it is. And you're still talking about it the right. next quarter or the next year or whatever it is. So it happens all the time and it's not just contractors. Everyone does it, you know, that I'm going to get in the gym, you know, right. it's those kind of conversations. Well, it's the Mark Twain said, the key to getting ahead is getting started. The key to getting started is breaking complex tasks into actionable items hmm. because you can't do a complex. I can't program a computer, right? I can't build a building, but I can go do a site survey and set some stakes. And once that's done, I can put up some forms. And once that's yep. done, I can call the plumber to put the piping in the mm -hmm. slab, which we do in Oklahoma, which is a stupid idea. But anyway, <laughs> that's how we do it. But you have to break it into actionable items. Otherwise, it's just theory, and you're just the guy sitting around thinking. Yep. Right? So... Um, his, his idea that you have to break the complex into simple things applies to the work that you do, uh, the actual work that you do. But when you, come, when you talk about the future of your business uh, and where you want to go to meet your goals, it also applies to that. Yeah. So breaking the complex into the simple and then taking action on the simple 
is the key to getting ahead. And then also marking off the time to do that. Hmm. And one of the things I wanted to do was, and this will be in our show notes, but Gary Keller, the man who started Keller Williams okay. uh, Realty, he, he's evidently a genius, or at least that's my opinion, having read what he talks about. He wrote a book called The One Thing. And it's oh, I didn't realize that was him. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Gary Keller of Keller Williams cool. Real Estate. Cool, cool, cool. And that's that's what he makes the point that you have to find one thing and work mm-hmm. on it. Uh, it's Mark Twain's breaking the complexity down to a discrete task. Mark Twain also said, Gary Keller attributes it to Dale Carnegie, but I've read it in Mark Twain's actual work, so it's a Mark Twain quote. But he said, people tell you all the time, don't put your eggs, all your eggs in one basket. Mark Twain says, that's ridiculous. Put your eggs in one basket and watch that basket. He said, just imagine trying to guard, carry around 30 baskets each with an egg in it. What's going to happen? Or you take one basket. So that's what we're talking about, finding out what that one basket is and pay attention to it and work on it. And it it applies to the business as well. You know, you have these four areas and you're wearing all these hats inside of all those right. four areas of business and same thing. It's a lot to manage and you're not going to be doing right. it well. Put all your eggs in one basket of just guiding the business, uh, which takes time, takes money, takes, you know, cash flow and good employees and all that kind of stuff and systems. But that's the goal is to get all your eggs in that one basket. Right. And the, the, uh, so we're talking theoretically about the 80, 20 rule and baskets and taking action and things like that. So, how do you really do it? And that's where Keller is really, really good because he has a it's a wonderfully easy read, right? It's yeah. not what I call an academic book. It's a it's an easy read book with a lot of good information, actionable information in it. But this is where we can use the 80-20 rule, mm-hmm. right? So as you're driving around, I mean it's a met, it's a construct for thinking about it, but what what's a priority in your business? So you say, well, you can write down a lot of priorities, and I suggest writing down 25. You might say, well, the, the problem in my business at this time is that I don't have enough sales. Yeah. And the, problem, the reason I don't have enough sales is I don't have enough leads. So is leads a priority for me? Maybe you have the leads, you have the sales, but all your customers are mad. People don't show up on time for work. You're not holding your schedules. You're having difficulty. So getting organized. Getting organized, right? hiring better employees. And, and it could be... Your, putting systems in place. Yes. And, and it could be that, well, and I started a new client last week, and this is his problem. He's got plenty of work. He can say he's, he's unlike most people. He says, I can sell anything. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. I have plenty of leads. But he is just going crazy because he doesn't have the cash to do what he's doing because of some prior mistakes. He wound yeah. up with some debt. So it's a cash flow. How do how are we gonna get control of cash flow so that he can do the work that he's getting, right? Mm-hmm. So cash flow is his issue. It could be uh, just regular understanding of accounting. It could be under, better understanding of sales. It could be how to attract the people I talked to yesterday. They're the professional organization. Their main problem is attracting employees. Yeah, Attracting and keeping employees. So. You can write down 25 things that are important to your business that you shouldn't have any trouble coming up with 25 things that are important yeah. to your business. And if you, if you can't come up with 25, maybe break them down a little bit more because sometimes you may say, I need more leads. Well, there's a lot of things that right. can bring you more leads. Right, right. So 
That's it. It's an exercise of thinking. It's it's taken a half hour. It's taken an hour. It's acting yeah. to do that. And you make a list. And this is where the 80-20 rule comes in. So you make a list of 25 things. Yeah. And you look at those 25 things and circle what you think will have the greatest impact. Five of them. 20% of 85 or 25 is five. Circle the five things that you think would have the biggest impact. In other words, if I corrected that thing, started doing that, quit doing that, whatever it is, um, that would have the biggest effect on my business. Your opinion, no science here, it's your opinion. That's what you've got, imperfect knowledge, but you take five things. And then you look at those five things, and 20% of five is one. Yeah. And you say, which of those things am I choosing to work on and improve? And that's your one thing. Mm-hmm. The next step in that, and Keller talks about it, we, we talk about it here too. I think we've done time blocking. If not, we'll have to do that. Yeah. But you have to set time to do it. Absolutely. And that's a willpower thing. And that means time blocking or default calendar, whatever you want to call it. But let's say Friday mornings from 8 to noon, I'm not available. Talk to customers or anybody else. I'm in my office yeah. working on my business. and. I say in the morning rather than the afternoon because it's true, I think, of uh, most people, it's certainly true of me, is that that willpower gets exhausted and it's the highest in the morning. Yeah. So you, you have and to And sometimes it's not even, it's it's more maybe a weekend thing. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be, uh, for, for me, sometimes it's about getting away. Maybe it's, hey, I'm going to a different city. That's not, it's a drive, but... I'm getting away from my normal environment, from the normal atmosphere. I'm sitting down at a coffee, coffee shop, shop or whatever, right. and I'm I'm unplugged and I'm just focusing right. on something. I think the challenge, we've talked about default calendars in the past, I believe, but just to reiterate what it is, you've mentioned it. You make sure that you take a, a chunk of time or a full day or whatever it is to work on the business, not in it. But it's really just setting up your schedule so that you have chunks of time to work on different right. things. The challenge with sometimes a default calendar is yeah, you default to working on the business, but you don't necessarily have a direction of what you're going to work on. Right. And so what ends up happening is you find time to work on your email and to get it cleared out because right. you haven't been able to check it all week. You find time to you know, catch up on some basic things in your business like bookkeeping or payroll or taxes or insurance things or bills that you got to pay, which is fine. Those things need to get done. But this is almost even a further level of like, hey, I'm strategically attacking my my big goals, uh, not just taking care of the things that need to be done administratively no, it, in my business. Very definitely. Uh, if you're doing your bookkeeping, you're not, or you're... You're still working in your business. Cons- you're working in your business. And, and that's where distractions come in. We, I asked, that was my question to you at the beginning. What are your distract? you know, what mm-hmm. distracts you? And I think it's, for me, my phone, just because of email, because of calls from what customers and stuff. What uh, resolution to that problem? You know, I'm talking to Apple right now, trying to get them to put a do not disturb function on the phone. They do have one. Um, oh, oh, whoa, no way. <laughs> the little moon thing that <laughs> occasionally shows up on my phone. And I go, where the hell did that come from? Why am I not getting any calls? And, but, yeah, turn your phone off. Well, I, I think it's not just about turn your phone off. Because the, I think the reality for a lot of people is that we're pretty addicted to our phones. We can turn it off, but sometimes for our work, we need to use it. And... Then we get into this game of like, oh, well, what's going on? And I, I think really it's about setting really good boundaries in general in your life. Because if you're if you're on your phone all night, that's gonna you're addicted to it. It's gonna bleed into some of this time where you're trying to find, you know, right. deep work on important things. 
Well, that goes back to how powerful is your major transformative vision? Seriously. How powerful is your high Seriously. heart goal? If you don't, if you say, oh yeah, which people do, I want to have a business that works without me. And they do absolutely nothing. They don't really want it. That goes yeah. back to our changing reality. Dissatisfaction times vision has to be greater than the resistance to change. And if you don't have something you want mm -hmm. or something you want to get away from, the mm -hmm. paint, the carrot and the stick, whatever it is, if you don't have that, you're not going to do it. You're exactly right. Yeah. But if they're powerful, if you really want it, if you want to buy a new house, if you want to get married and need to buy a new house in order to do that, if you want to learn to fly an airplane, if, if you want to just uh, be recognized as an expert in your industry and mm -hmm. want respect, if you want to provide for a bunch of people, whatever it is, if you really want that, then you, you will use that, in, that apple as the incentive to, yeah. to block the time and actually do the things. I right. mean, Jim Rohn says, as I've said before, that the key to success is a few small disciplines practiced every day. Failure, he says, is a few small errors in judgment repeated every day. But on the discipline side, he says, the things that are required to succeed, the small, simple steps that are required to succeed are generally very easy to do. The problem is they're very easy to not do. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just, I mean. Well, and, you know, I, I say this from experience of messing up my default calendar consistently of, you know, um, I'm going to work on this at this time. It's blocked off. And then something comes up with the urgent. I think everybody's experienced that where they, they intend one thing and they get something else out of it. And I think it's really important to control the, the inputs that you have with your calendar. Like rather than having just a to-do list of I have these tasks that I need to do to accomplish my goal, really put those into the calendar themselves rather than just having this is work on the business time and then having that list and doing whatever you need to be specific. you have to go in and put the actual thing that one thing as the time on the calendar right. and my encouragement is also to sell yourself like to underestimate or i guess overestimate what you but, can do yeah what you can do i don't know if you agree with that but that's from my experience if i'm trying to build a system well, I'm, I can probably do it in a day if, if I have the most focused, productive day that I possibly have. But the reality is maybe I just need to outline the system in this next two hours. I need to think through all the possibilities and just outline well, Make it. your list. I mean, we need to, to our listeners, we're talking a little bit theoretical. Sure. Here. Make your list. Mm -hmm. Think about your business. What, if it were changed, would have the biggest impact? Like. Oh man, I'd really like to have somebody I could trust who, who could take over running my jobs, project project manager. I really wish my banker would loan me, I mean, wh whatever it is, so you, you have to identify that thing specifically. Yeah. And, um, and go after it because, and so we, we have that obligation to our listeners to be specific here yeah. too. And so one of the first things is to make that list, think it through. Sit down and write down 25 things. Well, the first thing is block time. Yeah. Take your calendar. Well, I can't do that because what if my customer calls? Well, you know what? <laughs> You've gone on vacation before and somehow survived. You mm -hmm. can call the customer back. You can put a, put a uh, 
message on your phone that says, I'm unavailable until four o'clock, I'll call you back after that, whatever it is. Yep. Um, but block the time, do it, start with that list. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to, I think today, talk about how you might get good at something that you really don't know. So if you decide that from having listened to us talk, and me in particular, that books are important, there's some things you need to understand about your books. And say, well, okay, I, I agree if I understood that. Yeah. If I understood what changes I need to make because I'm not profitable now, what can I learn about that? Mm. And that's where we're happy to help you, but that's where I'll go back to uh, Kotler, Stephen Kotler. And unfortunately, for, mo- for a lot of people, the key answer when you want to learn about something critical is that you have to read. Hmm. Uh, I read some stats this morning that were really shocking, that the average American spends less than seven minutes a day reading. reading. Yeah. Okay? And fewer, and 25%, about 25% of the population has not read a book in the last year. Now, I do not believe that. I believe it's way higher than that. Yeah. Because I ask people, what books have you read? And, well, you know, I don't really read. I watch or I listen or whatever. I'm sorry. Reading a book is an important part of it. That's a discipline. Uh, we're going to put in the show notes a, a book by Darren Hardy called The Compound Effect. It's, a, yeah. it's another great place to start just in general. It's easy read. But in there, he calls for people to commit to read 10 pages a day. So put a book on your kitchen table, and when you're drinking coffee in the morning, read 10 pages. You might find yourself caught up and, oh, damn it, I read 20. But yeah. because you got into it. But reading is, there's a correlation. I can't remember everybody, but Elon Musk and just everybody who, you know, Bill Gates, uh, Warren Buffett, Oprah Winfrey, all of these people profess read. to being avid readers. And that means readers, not listeners, not watchers. Yeah. I, th- I think the power of that is going back into that focus. Because if you're going to watch, if you're going to um, listen, you can multitask. And I think that is the error. Yeah. Because when you're reading, like, can you drive and watch a video? Yeah. Can you drive and listen to a you're podcast? You're not doing a very good job of either one. No, you're not. Can you, can you drive and listen to a podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Can you drive and read a book? Probably not. Right. And that's the power of the reading is that you're not just absorbing one topic and you're focused on it, you know, because you can read Twitter, uh, but you're getting, you're going all over, your mind's jumping all over the place. But on a book, you can't multitask. And I think multitasking is probably the biggest threat to your focus in life. You're multitasking on your phone, you're multitasking at work, you're multitasking at home with the family. But it's the biggest threat to being present, being focused, and being able to get things done. Well, there's another um, the learning styles, VAK, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, or mm-hmm. ways people learn. Visuals, watching a video. Auditory, yeah. somebody talking to you. Kinesthetic is you're actually participating in something. Mm-hmm. Um, auditory is the number one way we teach. Mm-hmm. And it is the lowest, uh, has the lowest percentage of people who learn Comprehension. Visual is slightly higher. Kinesthetic is the most. Kinesthetic means you're doing something. So if right. I'm out welding a pipe, I'm going to learn more about welding than I am reading about it. But 
reading is a kinesthetic activity. You, you have something in your head. It, it's not entirely, but that, yeah, it really is. It's kinesthetic, and that's how most people learn. Yeah. And I'll just throw out, because I see the reluctance every day in people saying, yeah, well, I'm not much of a reader. Look, you want to achieve your goal? Mm-hmm. That's one of the, that, maybe that's a high, hard goal for you. Yeah. I've got to learn to read. And I don't mean literally learn to read. If you don't know how to read, Jim Rohn talks about that. You got to go fix that right now. I mean, go take classes, courses. I understand some people, there are reasons that they can't. But if, and and it's, you might think, oh, there's not anybody out there. No, there's a lot more than you. I had a guy work for me uh, in grain elevators 35 years ago, and he was really good uh, in working, I mean, he anticipated issues. He showed up all the time, really dependable. Yeah. And so I thought, hey, he'd make a good assistant manager. So I moved him up to the scale. And by that, I don't mean I made him stand on the scale, but he weighed the <laughs> weighed the corn coming in, right? And so you have to write who it was and what, what the product was. And he spelled corn, C-R-O-N. And he spelled wheat. I mean, it was just kind of a line. And anyway, I started following what he was doing. I'd give him things to read. To how to understand how to grade his look. Finally, I got him in my office and we talked and he confessed he could not read. Yeah. And he, I mean, there's, there's, we're kind of in the weeds on that, but that's so psychological. He had been faking to me. He was, <laughs> I mean, which is fine. I wasn't it's offended hard. by it, but he didn't read. He knew he didn't read. It was in his brain. I can't read. Um, and when the time came to step up, he had to go to work every day with just a knot in his stomach. They're going to find me out. They're going to, and, and I did. And I helped the guy. I, I, we actually sold those elevators, so I don't really know what happened to him. But we got him in a course in a little town in Nebraska to help him with it. And I don't know what his problem was. But, Man, it's hard. but there are people who can't read, and there are people who can read, but it's just a plottingly difficult uh, yeah. process for them. And... So let, let's make that a high hard goal because yeah. readers are leader or leaders are readers and all those kind of things. <laughs> are, it, there's just truth in it. Yeah. And there's a process for reading. Um, when you begin reading on a new subject, uh, you, you're just looking for vocabulary and concepts like, well, I don't know anything about bookkeeping. I don't know. Any, how, how am I going to hire people? Well, I, I don't know how to hire people. Yeah. You just put an ad in Indeed and you hire them. Well, there are lots of things that you can do that make you better. And if you start and read five books on the subject, by the end of the thing, you're going to understand that you have to attract people to you Yeah. just the same way you have to attract customers. Mm-hmm. And if you've been writing ads on Indeed that say, must be a licensed electrician, must have 22,000 hours of work experience, must have insurance, drive, you know, all this must, must, must. Well, you're just another guy out there. Right. Say, hey, come join our team. We have fun here. You know, we're excited. Our mission in life is to be the best there is. You know, then they're going, oh, hey, there's somebody that yeah, that's different than the rest of them. Absolutely. So if we if we go and we make our list of 25 things that would make the biggest impact in our business, and I know that he talks about this in the book, we apply the the 80-20 rule. Right. That brings us down to five, five things mm-hmm. that are the most effective, the most impactful things to our business. And then do it again, right? Right. And 20% of five is one. Is one. And that's you how you get thing. to your one. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's really the big 
part that people need to focus on is just stop making it an overwhelming task to do to make an impact in your business and to get out of the mundane maybe or the the hamster wheel that you feel you might be in but just focus on that one thing you're not going to get out of that hamster wheel by just doing well the other the, same the other thing is you still have to do all your other stuff exactly. i mean until until you've worked your way out maybe mm-hmm. how to delegate is is the thing that you don't know how to do i'm not very good at that i tell them to do it and they just do what they want and they didn't hear me. so delegation might be your thing how can i learn to delegate to free up my time mm-hmm. well you're going to start reading about delegation yep. and applying it so Whatever the topic is, and here's a way I like to think of people to do it. It really is governed by your 80-20 twice, 25 down to 5, 5 down to 1. And you should really work on that one thing yeah. until it is no longer the short stave in the barrel, right? If you do the exercise again, it's no longer the highest priority of the 5. Work on the next one. But on a calendar kind of way to do it is I like to have people divide the year into quarters. So three month units. And you say that marketing, let's say marketing, attracting leads is my biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And I really don't know how to do it. I think I do, but I'm still paying the yellow pages. And I put out a few Facebook posts and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And I'm spending $100 per lead to Angie. And if I don't call them back, somebody else gets them, but it still costs me $100. You don't really have a plan or you say, I am going to spend the first quarter of this year learning about marketing. Yeah. What books can I read on marketing? Now, I, I am big on books, and I think it takes five books, but you can also watch YouTube videos. You know, Those things are good, started yeah. Get started. To, to under, because maybe when you walk into it to begin with, you go, I don't know anything about marketing at all. When you really admit, I don't know anything about marketing. I don't. So I don't even know where to start. Well, just pick something. Google marketing. Marketing made simple. Donald Miller's book. And read it. Right? We're, we're, I'm not saying that you become the marketing department of your company because yeah. that's the opposite of what we're talking about. But you will know enough about marketing to realize, hey, it's probably worth the money and I need to hire professionals if, if that's what you right. decide. But at the end of three months, you will, if you're doing this, you're reading 10 pages a day, you're watching some videos, maybe taking a webinar. At the end of three months, you will know vastly more about marketing than you did before. Right. And then we switch over to number next. Right, that that knowledge doesn't diminish; it stays with you for the next three quarters. But you move over to the next thing, which in I always talk about understanding financial statements. Okay, well, I don't even know what to ask about that. Well, <laughs> look, go on Google on uh, Amazon and say small business finance, and buy the number one best-selling book, which isn't mine. <laughs> mine's the third book you buy. But anyway, buy the number one best-selling book. There must be some reason. Read some reviews and buy that book. Yeah. And read it and don't think I'm a loser because I don't fully understand this. Just say you're starting to see words, you're starting to see concepts that maybe are new to you. And then you start reading another book that it kind of fleshes that out. Yeah. At the end of the second quarter, you'll know more about marketing than you knew before. You'll know more about bookkeeping and financial statements than you knew before. Yeah. So what's the next one? Hiring good people. Here's a, here's a little hack as you start to look for some books. Um, go and find a like financial statements book. Are you going to understand it? Are you going to like it? Is it going to be a good book? Reviews are good to, to know that kind yeah. of stuff. But go and search the author's name on YouTube. And typically, most authors will give a keynote speech or some sort of webinar 
that is then made available online where essentially they're recapping their book. Right. And if you can understand it and maybe hear and see some examples that they show on the screen or whatever, that'll help you know, oh, that's going to be a good book. I'm going to read that. And that'll, if, if especially if you're going into a topic that you're not sure about, if it's, is this going to be too technical? Am I not going to understand this? If you go and you listen to the keynote and it's completely in one ear out the other, that may not be the best place right. to start. Go and listen to somebody that's author. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's a good author for somebody who is technical and understands that it's a that it's you're a just complex. not there yet. You're just not there yet. So go and find the authors that convey it in a way that you understand. Like Mike Michalowicz is probably a really good layman's author. Absolutely, because he talks in really plain English and uh, just like he speaks. Gary Keller. Gary same Keller, thing. same thing. Time right? management skills. If you want to talk, right? That, that's another thing to spend three months on. Yep. Time management skills. Absolutely. We've given some ideas here, but you can read a whole lot about time management and it just changes your mindset and changes your focus that you're starting to think this is the way I'm going to behave, not in that way. Yeah. And and if you've done that for a year, you start out with these three month segments where you're concentrating on a subject. At the end of the year, you're you a, different are a person. completely different person yeah. than you were when you started. And it never stops. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm 68 and I'm doing it now and I've been doing it for Really, I have been the whole time. Yeah. And it never stops. I'm always finding new things. But a lot of times you'll see crossover, mm-hmm. things that somebody says in one step. You go, you know, that's the same principle that applied over here. And it just starts to uh, become concrete and it becomes who you are. Yeah. And addresses what you talked about, the imposter syndrome, um, which is a real thing. I don't profess to know the science on it. Sure. Everybody kind of, I hear it a lot. And from yeah. people you wouldn't expect, say, I, basically, I'm... I'm a phony, man. It's head trash. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, why, why did they buy from me? I'm just, I'm lucky. I don't really know what I'm doing. Yep. Well, if that's you, then fake it till you make it. <laughs> or as Brian Tracy said, act as if. Act as if. Even if, people will generally accept you at your own assessment of yourself yep. until you prove them wrong. Yep. And if you're going in there behaving as if you're an imposter, it's going to affect outcomes. Yep. Act as if is Brian Tracy's, and it will become reality. So even though it's tough, go in there and don't say, "Well, I don't know anything about that." And just say, "Yeah, you know." And if something, you know, I'll get back to you on that. But just act, and eventually, yeah. that, and and through this exercise of quarterly improvements, the imposter syndrome begins we'll to fade. sink into the background. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think to recap everything we've talked about with this one thing, is that listing out the priorities in your business that will help you achieve your high goals. Um, Minimum of 20, 25 because it goes in 25 pretty easily. Yeah. If you can list out 25, you've got curriculum for yourself for the next five years at least. Uh, And that list should probably change over time, just a heads up. Um, But if you use the 80-20 rule and you take 20% of those that are going to be the 80, give you the 80% that is the most effective for your business, you'll get to with five. And if you then do it again, you'll come down to one uh, thing that is going to be super important for you to be working on in the business. Go and focus on that for at least a quarter. And, and you have to mark out time on your calendar. You've got to mark out time. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to be five minutes between meetings or whatever. You've got to go and you've got to set, hey, this afternoon I am focused on this. Every single week it's got to be recurring, not just a random day. Um, you've got to find a routine, a rhythm with it. I think... Other things that we've talked about that are important are that 
you have to make it simple. You have to take the complex and make them simple tasks That's that you can do. Something you can actually do. Actually do and define it. Be very clear and overestimate the time that you need to do things or else you're going to be discouraged because you've spent the three hours trying to get this thing done, but you only got a fourth of it right. done and now you don't have time to work on it until next week and then you miss next week because something came up. No, just make it really feasible uh, for you to be able to do things don't multitask while you're doing it. Make sure you shut off your phone, go into space alone, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, and yeah, what else am I missing? Well, the only thing I'd add is if you're confused about what the 25 might be or the five might be or the one might be, let's start with this. There are two books I recommend. They'll be in the show notes, but one is Gary Keller's The One Thing. Yep. Easy read, right? It, it's you just laugh as you read it because you'll recognize what he's talking about. The other one is The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And it's also a very simple read. Both of them really impress on us the effects of small things mm -hmm. that you can do and they accumulate to be big things. Sitting around and wanting for the big things just doesn't work. Yeah. So start there. Start there. Well, um, know that we're talking about this and we know that it's hard and that we're not perfect, but this is what we're striving for. Right. The one thing. Um, yeah. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you will please follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we're on all of those. And then please share us. We, we're trying to grow this thing. I think we're continually getting better and better as far as our uh, listening. We're getting, uh, each month has grown. So that's great. So we appreciate your support. Um, but yeah, share us with your friends, family, coworkers, um, other companies that you work with. would be happy to, to be a part of their um, listening routine as well. So right. thank you so much. Hope you're finding less stress, more time, and more money. Hasta luego, amigo. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.